Hello, and welcome to episode nine of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about divided co-ownership, the things that we normally call condos. And we have with us today, CEO of Apex Solutions, Alex Ricci, to explain to us exactly how to do due diligence when you're in the process of buying a condo, and also to demystify some little known facts that are going to make your condos profitable. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. What's the real power of leverage? People think real estate is all about leveraging capital. Money is important, but what about the decisions we make? The things we do and don't do determine our success as investors. Choices and actions create success. Before we get to the bank, we make choices guided by mindset and by the things we do and don't know. If we want to succeed as investors, we need to leverage knowledge. We need to increase what we know so our actions pay bigger dividends. Join host Terry Schauer and Jean-Philippe Claude for conversations with leading experts in the real estate field. From mortgages to mindset and from macroeconomics to local market trends, grow your knowledge capital with us. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast where we seek advice to help us make better investing decisions. So maybe just by way of introduction, you can tell us a little bit how you started out in real estate and how you came to be a condo manager. Sure. I got in at a very young age. I always had an interest before um, the age that I got into real estate and architecture and, and real estate and, and even just contracts and business law and all these things that kind of tie into what make real estate um, a whole or, or an ecosystem or, or whatnot. Um, and that's essentially, it was just spontaneous for me. Something where I said, you know what, this sounds like something that could be very interesting. Um, it, it's something that grabs my curiosity by nature. Um, and I wasn't too sure what to make of it or what entailed along the journey. But as I started getting deeper and deeper into real estate as a, as a broad concept, um, I started to fall more in love with the profession and what came along with it. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a brief summary. I mean, this is something I could talk about for hours, um, but if I had to sum it up, that's how I would I would essentially break it down. But so tell me, how do you make the transition from starting out as a broker to managing condos? Because that's not immediately uh, that's not a transition that's immediately evident for everyone. So look, that's a good question, Terry, and I, I get that a lot. And the simplest way to answer that is that it's not necessarily a transition from real estate broker into property management. It's more of a growth of uh, of knowledge of power base um and just a, a higher desire to give more value than just simply you know a real estate license and getting in and out of the transaction for a buy and a sell um so for me what apex is is essentially a company that provides real estate solutions property management is something we specialize uh, in specifically in the condo market um, but we offer a wide range of solutions so that would be um, you know, consultations, if there's issues um, with the régime de l'argent, we can walk people through those processes. So any challenge that comes about within real estate, we're willing to jump in and, and give the value if we could. So more of a um, expansion of a profession rather than a transition. We are able okay. to actually tackle on more um, and give a little bit more value to the customers. Okay. But so today we're here to talk about condo management specifically and it's it's kind of funny because i guess like my we our hats are a little bit similar because i've done a lot of 
um, management of rental units. And people sometimes get a bit confused between the two different types of management. So for example, the type of management I do would be to manage rental units for someone else. So I have on the one hand the owner and on the other hand the tenants and I'm kind of the person in the middle playing the role of the owner. But now what's the difference with someone who does condo management? How's that different from the classical property management we think of? Okay. When you're managing a property where you're dealing directly with the person who owns it, that comes with a certain um, type of property management, so to speak. Okay. So for in your business example, you're dealing with guys who maybe own the property or they're leasing out these properties to people uh, on a rental basis. So the goals and the objectives for you are very different than a manager for a condo association. Um, a condo association or a syndicate, which is what most people are going to refer to these things as, um, is an organism that essentially consists of all the owners or all the shareholders that buy into this building. So what we're doing, what I think is a little bit different than what you're doing, is that we're helping manage the complex as a general, um, more specifically with the bylaws that affect these buildings, the Declaration of Co-Ownership, which is a document everybody has to abide by. Um, so there's specific things that are different from condo than rentals. And I think it's more, um, more misunderstood by the general public. I don't think too many people really understand the condo market. They don't really understand that type of investment and how it will affect them. Um, so I think the differences are really navigating those complexities that come with a condo and come with co-ownership rather than a building where, you know, somebody owns it or a company owns it and you're, you're managing that, um, by renting it, you know, uh, renewals, things like that. Okay. So if I can just sort of summarize the structure. So when you buy a unit in a co-property, so you are the individual owner of that little slice of the co-property, then there's the syndicate of co-owners behind that, which is the group of everyone who owns a slice of that co-property. And then that syndicate will often, if they're big enough and they choose to hire a manager, that's going to take care of everything that has to do with the management of that unit. Correct? Correct. So I, I think the biggest, um, difference. And I, I may be all over the place because it's something I'm very passionate about. And I, I tend to jump back and forth in my mind when thinking about certain elements, but I'll, I'll break it down on a very elementary level. When you're buying a building, let's say like a duplex or a triplex or, or even, you know, a 10 unit building, a 12 unit building, you are buying that building and you are taking full ownership of that property, um, of that immovable. So not just the building, but the land that it comes with and everything else that's associated with that piece of property. Um, when you're buying into a condo, what you're doing is you're buying a very small percentage. And when I say condo and percentages, I'm talking about divided co-ownership. There's a difference between undivided and divided. What I'm going to be talking about is specifically divided co-ownership. So you're buying a percentage of a property, um, usually a very small percentage if the building is very large. So for example, if you have 100 units, you may only own 1% of, of that share. And that percentage will differ based on the living um, living square footage um, of that unit. Okay, So for example, if you have a building that's divided completely equally and there's 100 units of 1,000 square feet each, um, you would have 1% of that share. Now, it depends the way that they're going to break down that fraction depending on um, the declaration of ownership or what region you, you live in. Uh, the laws will tend to differ. And the way they do that calculation is different. But the main thing is that you get a certain percentage. And this percentage is not a percentage of ownership of your condo unit itself, your private portion, um, which is what most people usually see when they're going in to buy a condo. 
they get a tour of the space they would have full access to and an exclusive right to use. And often that blinds them into thinking that's the only thing they're buying. But what you're really buying is a, a percentage of the entire complex, the roof, the bricks, um, the land, everything that goes with it, you have an obligation to contribute your share to that co-ownership. Okay. That's, I think, a really important distinction. And I think it's a mistake that a lot of people make when they visit and get really excited about their specific unit. We can move on to the next question. So if I need to not only worry about my own unit and I need to worry about the whole building, what sort of due diligence do I need to do in terms of the syndicate and in terms of, of the condo management before I invest in a particular building? Okay. I get this question a lot, um, especially on my brokerage side where people are looking to buy these types of properties. They want to know essentially what to look for and, and what to pay attention to. And a lot of times people are, are quick to neglect the really important stuff um, and get drawn into the emotion of a condo or the perks that the condo may offer, like a, an indoor pool, um, a very large gym. Um, whatever it may be, people often get drawn into these things, these views that, you know, sometimes are, are going to be covered in the future. So you really need to be careful. What I would suggest to anybody who's looking into buying a condo, first thing they need to do is understand what you're buying. You have to understand that you're not buying something that's very similar to what is traditionally exchanging hands in the market, like a single family home. Uh, plexes in Montreal are, are, are very uh, prominent. So you're not buying a property under the same parameters as you would buy those types of properties. You're buying a co-ownership where you're getting a very small share of the entire building. So the first thing that should come to your head is you should realize that you will be responsible for that percentage of everything. So if the roof needs to be replaced and your share is 1%, you're footing 1% of that bill. If the bricks need to be repointed, you're footing 1% of the bill and so on for every type of work. So most people in a traditional purchase of a single family home or a duplex, they'll go in and, and they'll get an inspector. That inspector will come and they will tour the property. They will give their recommendations. And if they think that they need to have a specialist look further, they will make that recommendation to you. So for a condo, you can kind of go about the same process and just hire an inspector, have him come look at the private portion, but he's going to be very limited into what he'll be able to see for that property. So from an inspection point of view, I would strongly suggest that the entire building be inspected by somebody who's qualified enough to take a look at all of those different elements and to tell you what condition they're in and what to expect in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Of course, these guys will not be able to give you a perfect projection of how time will play out. Um, anybody who claims they can predict the future, they, they cannot do that. Nobody knows where something is, is going to go. Um, but you can get a good idea and get pretty close to what you can expect. So if you're looking, for example, at a, a tar roof and you start seeing signs of blistering on that roof, well, you know it's, it's coming due soon. And you can go out there and actually see what it would cost to replace a roof of that caliber. And if you know the share of the condo you're thinking about buying, you can kind of gauge, look, what is this going to cost me as an owner? So what a lot of people do, they inspect the property, their inspector builds a report and they tell them very minor things like, um, you know, you got speedways on your plumbing that needs to be changed um, or, you know, you have copper pipes versus uh, other types of piping like PEX or, or whatnot. Um, these things are very important and they're something that you need to consider, but you need to go the extra mile. You need to inspect that whole building. You need to inspect every element of that property and make sure that those elements are in a condition that you're aware of and you know how that's going to impact your investment specifically, because it will come. Um, and sometimes these assessments are extremely expensive and unexpected. 
and it can cost somebody their property. Um, you may have just bought it and, and soon find out that you're going to have to sell it because you cannot afford the assessment that is, is coming your way. So that's tip number one, okay, that I would give in terms of construction and, and building uh, qualities and different systems within these buildings. Make sure you know their condition. Make sure you know when they'll be due for replacement or approximately when they'll be due for replacement. What are the costs to repair those systems? And what will your contribution be? That's very important. Alex, I have a question for you because there's supposed to be a reserve uh, for these uh, replacement. How often do you see these reserve being bust out and uh, for a special special quote, I don't know what to say that in English per, uh, perfectly, but in cotisation special, uh, how do you see that uh, being imposed to the, uh, to the owners? Okay, so what I can tell you is that condos are a relatively new concept. They're not something that has been around for a, a very long time. I mean, um, other properties have been around for hundreds of years, and there's pretty good context in the law on how to treat them and how to execute certain elements and, and navigate Um, all the technicalities of these properties, condos, not so much. So I think, first of all, over time, I think there's going to be more strict requirements that are going to be imposed on these types of buildings. Um, as of right now, property managers on condo buildings are not regulated. So for the uh, real estate broker, for example, you have the OSIC. For lawyers, you have the Battle de Quebec. Um, and for different types of professions that have tremendous impact on the public, you typically have an order that oversees the behaviors and implements certain types of, of actions that you should follow. So with condos, we don't have that yet. And I think that reinforces the need to be extremely diligent with your purchases um, and make sure that you really do understand what you're buying. Because in some cases, you may be uh, stuck with a bill that, like I said before, you can't afford. But to answer your question directly, um, you're not alone in, in a situation like that. There are resources available to you. There are professionals that you can reach out to. And a properly managed syndicate will be proactive in this sense. Okay, So, for example, um, Cosette and Touchette is a company that we use and recommend often. A team of engineers who will go and essentially uh, inspect the entire building, all of the elements, and break down piece by piece what that building consists of and what shape And, and what condition those elements are in. They can then project what the syndicate can expect to pay over the course of 25 years at each different year. And they can tell you, okay, this is what you're going to have to do. It's going to cost this much money. We recommend that you put this money aside in your contingency fund um, so that you can actually fund this and not have to do a, a cotisation special or a special assessment um, to your co-owners. So this is something that a properly managed syndicate will have this document. They will then go every five years and refresh this document and have the specialists come back in, reevaluate, and then update that report to be more accurate. And just recently, there's actually a law that's been passed. I can't remember off the top of my head if it's Bill 141 or Bill 16, but one of these bills require the syndicates to uh, refresh this document every five years. This is something that didn't exist before. And now that we're seeing it come into play, Um, it's going to protect a lot of these condo complexes. So I could be wrong on the, the name of the bills um, or even the year that it came into effect. It may have not come into effect this year, but what I can tell you is in the future, all condominiums will have these plans. They will be done. They will be refreshed every five years and it will, it will protect the public in an enormous way. Any, uh, before you jump in, uh, Terry, to the next uh, question, any minimum number of units for that uh, rule to be set out? 
So no minimum, any building that exists and was built should yeah. have a reserve fund. So if it's a very large complex, um, you can see those reserve funds be much higher. If it's a smaller complex, you'll see them, you know, adjusted in relation to the size or, or the components of the building. But whether you have to have 10,000 in a fund or 100,000 in a fund, um, you should have that fund open. It should be a separate bank account altogether from the syndicate than their operation account. And that money should be held there so that the co-owners don't get surprised with a, a big fat bill one day. So if I can just jump in with the next question or, or like a little bit of a branch off of the previous one. So you mentioned part of the due diligence is physically to be aware of the condition of the building that you're purchasing. But now if we switch to the administrative side, I mean, I, I have my broker's license as well. And I've also, you know, gone through, sifted through endless condo documents. So declaration of co-ownership. And then you have the, um, I don't, I only know the word in French, procès verbal of the meetings in which you can find if there are any, uh, is there any work coming up? Um, maybe you could just walk us through what kind of administrative due diligence someone should do when they're looking at a condo unit. Absolutely. So these two documents that you mentioned, the declaration of co-ownership and the meeting minutes in English are absolutely imperative documents that you need to review before you buy the property. If you've overlooked these or you neglect them, um, there will be things that will surprise you in the future and you will not understand maybe how to even use and enjoy your space that you've maybe invested a lot of money to use and enjoy. I'll give an example. Declaration of ownership is the uh, Bible of your condo. It does not oversee the Civil Code of Quebec. The Civil Code of Quebec will override that document, but the Declaration of ownership is a Bible for any condo you are buying. Um, if your building was built 30 years ago, this document may be very difficult for you to interpret. They were not drafted very well, and they were done to the best of their capabilities at that time under the context and knowledges that they, they really did have at that time. Whereas now the declaration of ownerships are much shorter, they're much easier to interpret, and they reflect the current laws a lot better than the old ones do. Um, so this document can be as long as 70 pages, 100 pages. It can be filled with legal jargon. Um, it can be filled with clauses and conditions that you may not even understand uh, if you're new to real estate. So this is a very important document to scrutinize, um, to review more than once, reread it uh, as much as you can. And if you're planning on using your building or this purchase or this condo for a specific reason, for example, Airbnbs, well, you better make sure that the declaration of ownership will allow you to do these things because you may spend a bunch of money thinking that you're going to go put it on Airbnb or, or VRSBO um, and, and do a short-term rental just to find out that the declaration of ownership prohibits that type of an activity. So that's something that's extremely important to be aware of. Um, another thing is the bylaws of the immovable. This is an extension of the declaration of ownership, and this will list the rules that you have to abide by. And if you don't, there could be penalties or consequences imposed on you. Um, and you know, some of them can involve fines. It could involve forcing a sale on your condo. Um, there's a lot of things that, that can happen. So it's important to familiarize yourself with the civil code of Quebec and the excerpts in there that affect condos. You need to review the declaration of ownership and make sure that you fully understand every single clause written in that document. You need to analyze the bylaws of the immovable. And then another thing you need to do is now review the minutes of the meetings of this co-ownership. Um, so if I can actually break down a little bit why, how that document comes about uh, and the purpose of it, um, essentially, when you have a building that's built, you have a condo building, it's built by a developer. 
he has full ownership of that building. As soon as he sells 51% of the units within that building, he legally must create a syndicate of co-ownership. So he's passing on the power to all the collective co-owners that have purchased that property. So at that point in time, a legal entity becomes um, is created, and that legal entity will be the name of your syndicate. Okay, so it's the the legal um, the legal entity that is your syndicate. Okay, so. Um, once that's created, they make a declaration of co-ownership. So they list all of the parameters uh, within there. They do bylaws of a movable if it's necessary at that point. Sometimes they just put the bylaws into the declaration directly, and then the bylaws will be adapted later on. Um, and what happens is you need to elect now people to represent the syndicate of co-ownership. Uh, I mean, you can imagine the chaos if you had 100 co-owners that all had equal opportunity to make important decisions. I don't think it would work. Um, and you might very well see that community crumble or, or not be able to make efficient decisions. Um, so what they do is they make a board of directors. They elect a board of directors um, to represent the syndicate. Depending on the size of the syndicate, this could be very different. It can be three board of directors. It can be five. It can be seven. It can be 10. Um, it, it depends. That stipulation is actually outlined in the declaration of co-ownership. So they will tell you how many board of directors you will need um, in order to run the syndicate. Once those board of directors are selected, they will go about all year and they will make decisions on your behalf in your best interest. They will work in good faith normally um, to make the decisions that will, will be better for the collective environment. At the end of the year or after the physical year ends, short delay afterwards, there will be a meeting of co-ownership once a year, an annual meeting or an annual assembly or a general assembly, whatever you want to call it. There will be a meeting where all the co-owners will get together and the board of directors will be there um, to give them insight on what they have been doing for the past year. Um, and during this meeting, important decisions could be made. Um, so, for example, if there's windows that are old on a building and all of them need to change, the board of directors may have decided they will go on with this project to replace them. And they may ask you to vote on the type of window that you want. Um, they may ask you to, you know, what type of, of cladding do you want to replace the brick with if they plan on doing that. They may say, you know what, we want a, a bocce court because we got a lot of Italian guys that are, are 60, 70, and they, they love playing bocce. So these are all things that could happen. And these decisions are recorded in the meeting minutes. So you need to review not just the current meeting minutes of that year. You should go back in time and review as many minutes as you can to try to see what are the patterns of this complex? What are the past decisions that have been made? Do we have stable administrators or are there new administrators every year coming in, having to learn the dynamics, learn, you know, get the documents, understand the syndicate and then make decisions. So the meeting minutes are almost equally as important as a declaration of ownership because it will tell you the direction of the syndicate and it will let you know exactly what to expect with this property and how it's moved in the past. So these are all extremely important documents that you need to scrutinize on an administrative level before you purchase any condominium building. Any any idea of who, who could have helped us review these documents for a newbie that's buying a condo, Alex? 
absolutely. So if you've entrusted a real estate broker um, to uh, help you buy or sell a property, they should do their diligence and help you review this property. Uh, sorry, review these documents. Um, if there's a property manager on the complex, you can also reach out to them. They are in a perfect position to provide you with all the documents that you need and also some explanations um, as to how it will uh, affect you in your new purchase. So for example, at one of the complexes that we currently manage, um, it's a very large complex. Um, the condo units are two floors. And if you would walk in and not know that this was a condo building, you would think you're almost in a house. Okay. So the reason I say that is because the building is very large, but the amount of co-owners are very small. We don't have a lot of people that are responsible for maintaining this massive, massive space. Um, so there's actually millions of dollars of work that are, is being undertaken at this property. Each of the co-owners responsible for their own share. And what I can tell you is that some of these guys are, are have been assessed six figures. Um, this six figures is not something that comes overnight. It's something that can be seen coming in the meeting minutes. You can see that, you know, decisions are being made or there's talks about decaying parts that need replacement. Um, there may be calls to, um, you know, calls for tender from contractors. Um, there's a lot of things that will tell you in advance that this is coming, but in our complex specifically, a lot of these guys got hit with uh, six figure assessments. Um, and this is, is an incredible amount of money, um, for most people. So you can imagine how surprised they were. So I would recommend before you buy, uh, any complex, uh, any condo, Jean-Philippe, make sure to advise your real estate broker, contact the property manager, um, and you may even want to consider consulting an attorney in certain cases. Yeah, that's what I was uh, was thinking. Also, notary attorney and and like a six figure assessment. Can can you raise a loan under the because obviously each condo have, have, a, have a loan. Can you raise a loan for the entire building for the syndicate? Can you do that? So your question is, can we go to the bank? And when I say we, I mean the syndicate and yep. pull up money to pay for these expenses on behalf of all the corners. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's a good question. And if that can be implemented, um, I would love for you to let me know, Jean-Philippe. <laughs> I'm just asking. Yeah. I'm just asking. Uh, I think a lot of people would, would love that because the way it is right now, the corner is really responsible for maintaining that property. So even if, let's say, the syndicate were to go to the bank and get a loan, that loan still has to be paid. The funds have to come from somewhere. So it would just be broken out into a percentage in the sense where the co-owners would have to pay that loan regardless. But I think you you bring up a good point in the sense where maybe we can ease the pressure of that assessment by getting a loan and then having the co-owners pay uh, monthly, for example, instead of one um, lump sum. So I'll tell you, I haven't seen that personally in my practice, but I will look into that after this phone call. I think that's a great question, John. Yeah, good idea. Um, so maybe just uh, if you could also tell us what are red flags? So you've kind of walked us through the due diligence process, but like, when should I be worried as I'm going through this? Or what are signs of poor management? Oh, the magic question, Terry. This is what everybody wants to know. Um, so look, I can tell you right off the bat, a big red flag is a building that does not have consistent uh administrators and consistent management. Okay. This is something that you should be very concerned about. And I'll, I'll explain why. If your building uh, has been around for 10 years 
And every single year, you have a new group of administrators, you have a new property manager, or you have just massive volatile change like that in a complex, it, it typically proves destructive. Um, a syndicate is a very complex organism. It's not something that is easy to interpret for somebody who is not in the industry. So if you have a new board every year, and this board consists of guys that don't understand real estate, don't understand, you know, basic laws, um, things like this, this can really jeopardize your building. You can have, you know, a, a new set of guys making decisions that counteract past decisions um, and just kind of reset the momentum that was made. So the opposite of, of a red flag, I guess, is a green flag. So a green flag would be if you have the same guys in there um, 10 years and you have the same administrators, they're calling the shots, they're refining the building, they're getting better, they're getting sharper, they're understanding more about their complex, more about their suppliers, um, and they can make more informed decisions than somebody who was just elected in um, and doesn't really have a good understanding. So that's that's a massive red flag. I think a bigger red flag, though, Terry, would be um, something that Jean-Philippe asked before about the studies. Um, if there's no study for your contingency fund and you have no idea what that building is going to cost, that is a major red flag. Um, you are essentially gambling on the fact that you can look at that building yourself and put together a better analysis than trained professionals who do this on a, on a uh, daily basis. So if these guys do not outline, um, when I say these guys, if your syndicate does not have a 25-year reserve fund study done by a qualified professional, that's a very scary situation and very vulnerable situation for a, for a buyer. That's a great tip. Um, but so let me ask you uh, like the next question, but sort of in uh, relationship with what you just said. So, you know, doing transactions, I often see smaller buildings. So like triplexes, sixplexes, eightplexes that have been converted. Okay. And sometimes these buildings are managed by the syndicate themselves. So they won't go the extra step of hiring professional management. And so at what point does it make sense to involve a property manager and at what point are those fees kind of extraneous to the running of the building so it's a great question terry so uh, property management can be very expensive depending on what your building needs um the cost to have that type of service will range okay as a rule of thumb uh, a lot of people out there are charging about 30 dollars a unit okay so you can see that if the numbers if the complex is about 100 units you can do the math and, and see that it's about $3,000 per month for that specific property to have just base management. Base management involves processing condo fees, communicating with the co-owners. Um, it really depends on the management contract that you sign. Everything in life is negotiable. So, I mean, you can find guys to manage the property for uh, any type of money. But typically, if you're looking at qualified professionals that are, are really in the industry as a, a full-time um, profession, you're looking at about $30 uh, per door per month as a as a rate okay so if you have a triplex for example if you run the math on that you can see that the cost is is about what ninety dollars a month you're talking about nine hundred dollars a year so I, I couldn't see in in a world that we live in where you can get any sizable effort from a person uh, for that kind of of money so at that price for the triplex you're getting really basic management um, and and that would most likely not be your price 
Um, but I think it's always worth it to have a property manager, to have a realtor. Um, and I don't say this from a biased perspective because I'm in these industries. I'm in these industries because I really believe that we can give value to people. And I, I really think that a lot of people are unfortunately either taken advantage of or making ill decisions every day that are, are costing them tons of money. So if you if you look at the cost of the management service or, for example, a real estate broker, um, I think it's paying you dividends in the long run if you have these qualified guys around you to um, to guide you. So it, when is it worth it? I think it's always worth it. It just it comes down to terms uh, and price, really, and value. So. Okay. And will property managers even, like, let's say yourself, do you have, like, a, a lower cap on, on the type of properties? Like, if I call you to manage my triplex, will you take it, or is that too small for you? Is that too small for most people? This is my favorite question, okay? And you'd be surprised how often people will reach out to us, and they'll say something like, hey, Alex, I, we really need some help here. Um, you know, things are not going the way we need them to go. We feel a little bit lost. We need guidance, but we feel that we can't afford you. So this is the truth. Anything in life is, is negotiable, but for us, we're interested in value. If I can give value to the people that are in front of me, I'm interested in the mandate. Now, of course, everything in life has to be win-win. It has to be synergistic. So if, it's, if I'm giving the value to the people, they need to be giving the value to our company as well. So we'll come out with, with certain terms that really help them. And it makes sense on our part. We actually have um, you know, the budget that we need to give the syndicates or or the customers what they actually need um so it, it's really it comes down to what can we do for the clients can we help i mean if you call us and ask us to do something that's really easy that you can do yourself um we'll just show you what you need to do and, and have you go on your way and and you know more often than not we may not even invoice you for that because it's just not something that requires an invoice or or it has out-of-pocket expenses for us so really we take on what we can contribute towards so there's some complexes that are 10 units but these guys are in such bad shape because they don't have their reserve fund studies they don't have their regist uh, of all their documents available to the coners so these are, are things that can be complex to to a lot of outsiders to us it's it's very standard so if we can help a 10 unit building we'll help that 10 unit building um, but the terms will will not be generalized terms so to speak Technology, Alex. You missed the technology episode. <laughs> that's a triplex. No, that's a triplex uh, calling. Uh. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Um, but so we just had a, one of the questions pop up uh, from the audience. It's Maurizio. And he asks, do you think there's a difference in terms of future value between a condo in a large building or a small four to six unit building? And which one's a better investment? Is there a rule of thumb there? So Mauricio, I, I'm not sure I fully understand your question, but I, I think what you're asking is if you buy a condo in a, a big building, will you get more appreciation in the long run than you would from that of, of a smaller building? Is, is that what we're, do you guys make of the same thing as I do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it really depends what you're buying. Okay. The size of the building does not matter. And, and this is my personal opinion. Everybody will have their own take on things, but this is the way that I, I really see it. It doesn't matter the size of the building. It matters about the physical attributes um, and sometimes the administrative attributes of a building. So I, I will give you an example. Uh, we've managed condo buildings that had 270 units inside of it. We've also managed condo buildings that had 24 units inside of it. Um, the ones that had 24 units, 
if you were to purchase one of these condos in 1990, you would have spent about $100,000 for that condo, which is, is a pretty good amount of money for that time for a condo, especially in the area it's in, which is um, really St. Henry on the Lachine Canal, which if you know in the 90s, uh, it was not an area where you would pick up and, and have a house and, and raise a family and send them to a good private school. Um, so that was a fair amount of money. Okay, but this is a 24-unit building, um, very small, very, very intimate. If you go look now on the market, you'll see these properties trading over a million. So you can see that in, in 30 years, um, 31 years, you had maybe 10 extra revenue on, on this specific condo. Now, in the other buildings, 270 units, 100,000 units, um, I have guys that have purchased properties with us five years ago, and they cannot sell today for the same price that they bought five years ago in certain complexes that are 100 units. Why? I think it's a, a probably a whole nother topic for another podcast, what really impacts um, these values and, and makes a higher demand for a complex. But what I can tell you is that location is very important. The physical attributes of your complex are very important. If the building is a historical building, you know, that can that can certainly help you because it, it brings about a charm that not every condo can bring. Um, even sometimes you may have a condo that goes up and its main attribute is a view, uh, you know, a spectacular 360 view of, of the city. Um, come to find out that in, in four years, another tower is going up right in front of you, you lose that view. So there's a lot of different things that come into play in terms of long-term appreciation. And I think physical attributes are probably the key there. So look for things that are unique. Um, if you're really looking to chase that appreciation, look for condo complexes that offer something that other complexes can't um, and will not be able to in the near future either. So, you know, if you find a, a condo complex near downtown with a courtyard, um, you know, massive courtyard, protected views and, and protected views that are really not going anywhere because there's certain ordinances in that will never allow for that type of build in front of you. Um, you're in the money there. I think these things are going to really appreciate faster. But if you have something where, you know, they're putting up towers a la mass all over the city um, and you're just another 600 square feet tucked away in a, in a corner, um, you may not see that appreciation. You know, so it's it really depends on the physical attributes, Maurizio. Maybe you can, uh, if you have some concluding words or some, you know, advice or anything you want to kind of tell the audience by way of conclusion. Look, it's something I'm very passionate about. So I'll invite anybody to to reach out to us and and you know just inquire. There's no obligation on your end if you want to just reach out and talk to us and and you're in a certain situation or you have a certain problem. Um, feel free to call us. But if I had to give a generalized piece of advice, something that's not really specific to um, a specific or particular person, um, you need to do your due diligence. That, that is the most important thing. And don't get blinded with the emotion. Um, don't get distracted sometimes with when the developers are, are pitching you certain elements. You really need to stand back. You need to look at the building as a whole. And you, you need to really scrutinize everything. My favorite saying is get it naked. Get that thing completely naked. Strip it down to the bones where you know what's happening um, and nothing can really catch you off guard um, because there's no documents that can just come into force and blindside you and, and cost you money. But if you neglect a document that's actively in force or an obligation, you can pay the price big time. You know, so if I could even talk about insurance funds, for an example, OK, this is something people don't really understand, but this is how complex a syndicate is and, and managing the property or understanding how the different legalities will affect you. Let's say you're in your condo building and the guy upstairs, he's running his bath 
and he falls asleep. He wakes up and there's tons of water on the floor. This water, it finds holes, it goes downwards. So you're the unlucky person right underneath this guy who falls asleep upstairs. All your stuff is damaged. You have your new hardwood floors, they're ruined. You have all your personal effects that are ruined. The contractor is going to have to come in and renovate everything. You can't live there. So you ask yourself, what's next? I mean, what, what, am, what are my options um, in a situation like this? Okay, so the first thing to know is that the syndicates, as a new law, part of Bill 141, require a special reserve fund. That reserve fund is completely separate from the reserve fund needed to repair any uh, deficiencies or, or defects that will come about later. This is specifically for insurance claims. So your property will have a deductible. Um, let's say the deductible is 15000 for water damage or, or 20000 for water damage. Um, and then let's say your highest deductible is 20000 You need to have a fund that holds that amount of money so that in the case of an insurance claim, the money is actually there. Whereas now, or in the last couple of years, if there was an insurance claim, you may even go out and assess the owners and say, hey, there was this water damage. We now need to go and, and collect all this money from everybody because we don't have it in the operating account. We don't have it in our contingency fund. So we got to pull it out. So this is a due diligence you can do too to see if you're, is your building ready for a, a disaster. And when I say disaster, it could be just a guy falling asleep with his tub on. You know, is your, your syndicate ready to handle that? Or is... Is that just an imminent situation that's going to end up costing you tons of money? Um, so there's there's really a bunch of layers that you need to know about. And in that insurance claim, for example, when you call your insurers, it's not simple. Like you, you call them and they fix it. The insurers have actually put together. Um, I won't say the insurers put together the system, but the insurance industry is a very um it's a very unique one to say the least, because these guys have a lot of control um, and, you know, they kind of have everybody in, in their own grips because you need to get it in short. And a lot of these guys are, are, you know, actively trying to um, limit their loss. Okay. So if you were to, to file a claim on your condo building because of a damage like that, the syndicate would only pay to restore your unit the way it was originally built by the contractor. Mm -hmm. So your syndicate actually has to have a report and that report is called the description privative uh, in English, a description of private portions. So what that is, it's a, a document for the whole building and it says, Hey, in this entire building, this is the way all these units were built. Um, and this is what the insurers will have to restore if there's any improvements. So for example, if 30 years ago, the condo had carpets, but you put in exotic uh, $20 square foot hardwood floors, the insurers will only pay you to put the carpet in. You will then have to go to your own insurers and have them pay for the delta and the difference. So these are little details that, you know, the average person won't know. But believe me, they'll be very frustrated when that situation comes about and they have no choice but to follow the, the laws and, and the, the guidelines that they're bounded to. Okay. Thank you. So some, uh, some great knowledge in there, Alex, uh, just by way of conclusion, do you want to tell people what the best way is to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Best way to get in touch with us. You can call us directly at 514-979-2500. There will always be somebody there to take your call and, and, you know, the, get you what you need, or, or even just have a conversation with you, um, from one human to another and, and let you know if we can help you even by not doing business with us, but even if we can just send you in the right direction, it's something that we do often. Um, so feel free to call our lines if you want a more formal answer, um, or you don't mind maybe waiting uh, 24 hours to get a response. You can write us an email. Um, you can write to me directly at alex at solutionapex.ca. 
solution has no S, or you can write at info at solutionapex.ca. Either of those will put you in touch with somebody who will be very qualified to answer your questions. Thank you for listening to episode nine of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope that you're in a better position to do your due diligence when it comes to making profitable decisions for condo investment. And if you'd like to reach Alex of Apex Solutions, you can find his coordinates in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.